Welcome to See Me After Class. This is a podcast by two New Zealand secondary school teachers based in the Southern Alps of New Zealand. We operate out of classrooms that look out over the most stunning mountain ranges in the bottom of the South Island. And it's my pleasure to introduce Renee Plunkett, who is a fourth year English teacher. And sitting here with me is Chris War, a teacher with 17 years under his belt from both overseas and here in New Zealand. And Renee, apart from being a teacher, is also an avid gardener. And Chris also enjoys triathlon. This podcast is about the day-to-day realities and joys and sometimes horrors of our teaching experience in the classroom. So we invite you to listen in and we invite you to give us feedback on what you hear. This is... See me after class. Oh my goodness, welcome along to week 10, episode 10 of See Me After Class. And this is it, (laughs) the end of the term. (laughs) And today you're going to hear from us talking about how the week went, how the term went and how we teach Shakespeare. So at the start of our Shakespeare experience, it was quite negative for me personally. I didn't understand the, the language he used. My experience with Shakespeare has definitely been quite positive. I feel like Shakespeare has been the building block to today's modern entertainment, but reading it on its own as um, a Shakespearean play, I don't believe that it's uh, entertaining at all. I studied Macbeth in year 11, and this year I'm studying um, King Lear. I studied Macbeth in level 1 with Mr. War and I found that very fun and the same with this year pretty much. I'd say my like favourite part of it would be like the themes. Oh, I also enjoyed the challenge of his writing. Throughout like the learning of it and uh, going into deeper analysis with a lot of extra work from my teacher, I, I slowly grew into it. Because the language kind of gets in me. Once I changed my attitude and gave it a harder go, I'm now understanding it a lot more and seeing like the real world aspects of it. I want you to dissect into it and um, get past all of the Shakespearean language. I believe it, it relates to society, even nowadays. Shakespeare, unlike a lot of other writing, is a challenge and you have to get used to it. It takes thinking and it takes effort. Like once you look into it and actually care about it and like actually try, you will see real world examples of it. Once you've got like the dialogue and how each character talks with iambic pentameter and speaking of prose and verse, I believe it is a beautiful piece of art. So Renee, we're almost at the end of the term. How's it been? It's been great. I think is my word for this term. I I feel like we've achieved a lot. It has felt busy and productive and I've enjoyed that. Yeah, term one's always interesting that way in that you set up your routines and you get things going and you know it's only going to get harder (laughs) as the year progresses. So if you can't do it this term... You can't do it at all. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. And um, I feel like I'm ending this term in a really nice place with all of my classes, which I think makes me feel great about it as well like oh, that yeah. has a big impact on how we feel uh, reflecting on, on back on the term so what does a good place look like to you well 
we're tying off all of our extended tech studies and that's a that's just such a huge chunk of all of my programs and it's just a really satisfying feeling to have it under our belt and know that we can now build on the things that we've laid down in this laid down this term yeah well um, in terms of tying things off I can very proudly report <laughs> to you that tomorrow which is Friday the last very period, last day of the term uh, my year 10s are going to finish the reading of Romeo and Juliet Hooray. So, <laughs> I think that's actually ideal I think it's a really nice um, it's a very it's a very tidy way to end isn't it just yeah. to finish with, that, with yeah. that final reading and we've obviously got the, the study to do after that the yes, reading exactly. will be completed but yes. that's yeah I agree the, the tidiness of that is pretty attractive to me absolutely whereas I have yeah I've tied off my studies with my classes and we're going to move into the writing side of things a little more next term which I'm really excited about Oh, we ought to say, you'll probably hear a little bit of sound in the background, but we, just, we decided <laughs> to yeah, relocate ourselves to a local cafe. So we're sitting in our alchemy cafe in Wanaka. We're looking out the windows at the lake and surrounding ourselves with lots of good food and coffee to yeah. get ourselves through to the end of the term. To the end, this what? Yeah. Six periods to go. Yeah, that's right. I'm definitely <laughs> counting down. Yeah, but we will get there, and and then we will have a good break, and that's important, I think, yeah. just to, to restore ourselves for the next the next stint. Yep. And in terms of the uh, micro credentials project, well, we would have wished to have moved faster. Mm. Uh, it's taking the time it needs to take, and the richness of it has been inside the work. It's been so good working with teachers on developing credentials for their classrooms and to see the, the, the depth and sophistication that they're trying to get to mm. in what they measure and it, it shouldn't be an easy job. No and it shouldn't it shouldn't just be something that you can knock out um, and, and get done in a really quick fashion. I think when you're trying to achieve something um, that has a body of knowledge sitting behind it and, and um, you're trying to bring people around to the idea of their subjects and looking at them in a different way. It should take time. These are big important things and big important um, concepts to consider. So Yeah, I think one of the things, I know this is really geeky of me, but I've always thought of an analogy for how the badges work Ooh, to great. be Please share. in relation to say how you do compression of video files. So the process of compressing a video file takes an enormous amount of processing power. Mm. It's really difficult to get a video into a compressed form but those algorithms have been designed in such a way as it's relatively easy for the computer to decompress it yeah so these these badges are hard to create yes, but easy to use yeah and exactly. so although the upfront challenge is significant <laughs> the the simplicity that comes about through their application. From the long term, yeah, it's gonna, absolutely. It's going to be really rewarding. That was an incredibly geeky analogy. Yeah. Though. It was great. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's so I wouldn't was. expect anything less yeah. from you. And I have to say that I'm quite excited about this cafe because they provide on tap sparkling water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding myself thrilled by it. It's just there. You can yeah, access it. As much as you like. Yeah. My little short black and my big glass of sparkling, of sparkling water. water. This podcast we want to talk about the teaching of Shakespeare and we, we, we want to talk about a few anecdotes from the classroom so let's go there first what's yeah. been happening this week in your classroom Chris I it's kind of like I've spotted a rare bird this week it's almost like I've spotted a phoenix in real life um one of my students reworked a piece 
rewrote a paragraph that we'd been doing in class voluntarily at home on her own and then emailed me to tell me she'd done so so I could go and look at it and give feedback. I actually find it hard to believe that actually... I know you do. <laughs> and it's so ironic that last week we were saying this never happens and here well, it goes. Like I said, it's the golden phoenix. It yeah. doesn't happen. It's I've never. I wonder if they've this. just been listening to our podcast. Uh, well, you know, here's hoping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh well, that's great, and um, that is obviously that's the form of agency that we're looking to see in the students. So it's, yeah. it already exists. It's there. It's possible. Can we increase it though yeah. and develop it a little more? That's yeah. right. No, that's part of the job. Yeah. So um, how's your week been? Oh, I wanted to tell you this interesting. Oh, I mean, everything I tell you is always going to be geeky, <laughs> but this particular geeky thing I think you might find quite funny. Good. I have a, I'm the Dean of Year 13, I teach a Year 13 English class. One of my Year 13 students was saying to me, oh I was made, you registered me as absent last week and I was there and I, and I said, oh that's interesting, I didn't do that actually because I wasn't there but I wonder why you were registered as absent. I'm saying I don't think you were there and she's saying, no I was there, I was there. And then I went through the process and I looked at the system and it said that she had been Absent, absent for an explained reason so I said well there'll be a reason and I was overriding her recollection of being in the class with my sort of institutional knowledge <laughs> of the system says you weren't there so, so you the must- can't have been there <laughs> and, and I was half thinking well you know obviously there's probably been a mistake and then I asked her because I wasn't present either who taught the class she couldn't remember the other students could quite vividly remember the person who was teaching in my place I'm and not going to lie that would ring an alarm bell for me yeah, you know that would reinforce my view that she wasn't there and the interesting thing is that she genuinely thought she was there she wasn't ah. trying to deceive me she just said no no I, I, I'm sure I was there and then as she was walking over to the office where she was going to check her attendance she remembered that she wasn't there uh. and why so she came back but then of course we were, we were studying 1984 oh. and we were talking about the whole way that the state of Oceania through the party manipulates people's thinking through modifying evidence of the past right making their memories unreliable by constantly editing the past in order to represent the most recent political position of the party and I was suggesting to her that because it's hard for them to imagine actually how in a speculative situation like that it would be possible for people to forget that people existed or that things actually happened that did happen but it was really really fun as a class for us to say to her that actually we were replacing her recollection of that incident with our institutional recollection and that that had quite a lot of agency and how unreliable our memory actually is when it's not propped up by supporting evidence and documentation or if you couldn't rely on that supporting evidence and documentation how your memory alone would actually be quite a be quite a fragile and uncertain thing so it was just you know uh, an experience in the classroom that related to the text. Directly yeah. tied in on that. Kind of cute. Again, really satisfying yeah. as well for her that to occur. Probably only satisfying for me, but, you know, <laughs> they politely listened. <laughs> I was so excited. Oh, brilliant. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Right. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the day-to-day practice of our work, in particular in relation to the teaching of Shakespeare. We've talked before about how we use Shakespeare as a core text, for many of our courses Mm. we've talked a little about why but we haven't talked about how and so that's where we thought we might go now the two of us teach Shakespeare in a couple of areas but today we thought we'd concentrate on your teaching of 
um, King Lear yes. in year 13. So and, my level threes, yep. yeah. And my teaching of Macbeth in year 11. Mm. And just, just explore a little bit about the approach we take and the reasons that we do it the way we do and what we're actually trying to extract from those texts. Yeah. Do you feel like starting with King Lear yeah, to start I, with? Yeah, I do. So We work so closely together on the development of this course that I feel like I partially own it. You do, a little bit. And as so often does happen while we're in a cafe chatting, we ran out of time and needed to get back to school. So Renee recorded her description of how she teaches King Lear on a different occasion. So Chris, um, I'm sitting here, it's lunchtime, and I'm, it's the, the, there's one more class to go today for this term. I'm reflecting on uh, the way that I've taught Shakespeare this term, particularly with my level three class. Uh, so this class, we, we've been studying King Lear, um, and I have tried teaching King Lear in a couple of different ways now, as I, I taught it last year, developed the course last year with, with your guidance. Um, but the first the first way I, I decided to tackle it was just to drive straight and dive straight into the text with minimal pre-teaching around the genre of tragedy and its characteristics and the things you'd expect to see within it. Um, following the class reading of the play, because I always read these texts out loud as a script with my classes, um, we explored Aristotle's theory of tragedy and looked to identify how the six components that he talks about, melody, spectacle, diction, thought, character and plot, uh, were presented in Lear. This year I switched things up slightly um, and, and I began the year with my class unpacking extracts um, from Aristotle's poetics and allowing them to gain an understanding of the six elements that he has deemed essential to the success of any tragedy. Um, we used Oedipus, as Aristotle does, as our example of the perfect tragedy and discussed sort of these components alongside that text and then we launched into Lear um, in our full class reading. I found with this um, approach that as we read, I as I was pointing out the significant details along the way that, that at the end generally reveal um, the, the different elements of the genre, um, that this class was actually able to engage with them as we were reading um, a lot more than the previous year had. Obviously, they had the knowledge before we read the text. I can't ignore that this was a different year, a different crop of students, and it's also my second run at teaching the text, but I, have a, I, I feel confident in saying that a big part of their ability to really engage with the text came from teaching... Um, from exposing them to the genre framework from the beginning. Um, and then after we've read the text, we move into our actual study of it. And it becomes quite tidy, I find, when you attach it to the genre because everything ties itself together, particularly with tragedy, as it focuses itself around that central figure and the suffering of that figure. Um, so we explore the concept of the tragic hero and how that um, is developed within the text. Um, we explore the traits that they must, according to Aristotle, possess, their hamasha and their hubris. We look at the different stages that they have to suffer through, the fall from fortune to suffering, the recognition of their hamasha or their wrongdoing, um, and then that final fate that seems to be far greater than they deserve. Um, the students study the text looking for how these things have, have been deliberately crafted or, de uh, or being deliberately communicated um, from from Shakespeare. So they explore the, lang uh, the language choices within the text um, and how those, those uh, 
how Shakespeare's crafted the language to highlight the different traits and stages of the tragic hero and the tragic plotline. Um, we discuss the, the knowledge that Shakespeare must have had um, from Aristotle's, of Aristotle's theory that's shaped the decisions he's made in, in creating the text. And I think something the students get really excited about, um, this is a slight side note, but very directly related, is his use of iambic pentameter. And I know that you go galloping horses around the, um, the, the um, grassy area outside. We do heartbeats uh, on, on the table. However, um, the, his use of iambic pentameter and its direct reflection of the tragic hero stages. Okay, We can literally follow Lear's path of suffering just by looking at the rhythm and metre of his speech. Um, and they find that quite exciting. They also enjoy the fact that we can identify his hamata and his hubris through the use of the metaphor and the animal, animal imagery that the, that, that, that the central character uses. And when they begin to identify these things within the text, it's kind of like they've got this... Um, Actual, actual physical concrete thing in the text that's directly connected to some larger construct that's been put in there for a particular purpose and a particular reason. I think, I, like, I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about I think at the moment, but what I'm seeing is that they enjoy that there is a deliberate reason for this being there rather than these sort of um, abstract things that we're trying to get them to possibly connect with. Once we've completed our study of um, the style and structure in, in Lear, of Lear as a tragedy, we come to the question of, well, why? What's this all for? In previous years when my classes have approached a text thematically, they find this question quite difficult to um, respond to. Often they kind of don't get past those um, statements about, oh, well, it teaches us about something. Um, and it doesn't really lead them too much further than that. With King Lear and tragedy, we delve into catharsis and we look at the history of tragic drama. People have enjoyed this type of literature for a really long time and there must be a reason why. And there must be the, re the reason behind why authors create their characters and, and write their um, texts with this specific structure to, to achieve these same effects. So we're able to discuss what exactly it is about the genre that guides an audience um, to, to experiencing an emotional release and why that might be of benefit to them. Um, this leads us to talk about the manner in which the tragic hero is deliberately structured, the fact that they're good without, um, but not without their flaws, in order to create a mirror for the audience to reflect on themselves and their own place in their world. So from here, where do we go? Well, uh, obviously Aristotle and Shakespeare is not the be-all and end-all of tragedy, even though they are very, very important figures. Um, we begin to explore how the genre changes over the course of time. We bring ourselves around to um, some of the American tragedies of the 20th century. Um, we, the exciting part of this is that still so much of the, the texts are, are essentially the same, and the goal of the cathartic experience remains the purpose of um, of the author for the author the students begin to really notice the similarities within the language um, in the structure that, that's created in these texts so it allows the, the specific discussions around choice um, of, of language techniques possibly like the, for example the use of the animal metaphor as a means of expressing the state of the tragic hero or possibly the use of a symbolic storm um, even the importance of somebody's name um, in, in the text um, I have come to absolutely love Shakespeare in my classroom and although I still see my students' um, faces droop slightly when I drag the scripts out of the book room, I do really believe that they come to enjoy it as well as they begin to unpack um, the magic that really lies within. 
And just like Renee, I wanted to have my chance to talk about how I teach Macbeth to my year 11 students. So here goes. So just like Renee, in relation to taking a genre approach to the study of King Lear, when I look at Macbeth at year 11, I look at it with a strong emphasis on elements of style as opposed to just elements of theme. I think one of the things we've both decided to move away from is starting with themes. Mm. We kind of consider themes as things that obviously are significantly important in text but more that emerge from the text and emerge from your understanding of the text and what we're trying to do instead is to develop the student's understanding of some of the technical elements whether it's adherence to the genre of tragedy mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, linguistic and stylistic elements in the text that in themselves are likely to generate certain effects mm. and by taking an approach that's a lot more style based we're al allowing the students to form their own conclusions about the themes that emerge as opposed to kind of demanding that they see a theme that we have yeah. predetermined. Yeah. It also allows them to start to look at the connections between the texts that they study. So because they're identifying features of style, then they can notice whether those features have commonalities with other texts that they may study or just texts that they encounter in the world. Instead of only making the connections of the world that they come up with arise from themes and ideas, which yeah. are important, but sometimes I think we put those things too much in the foreground too soon before students have even come to those conclusions for themselves. I would far prefer that we looked at the technical process of the construction of a text mm. and let the students themselves discover what meaning is created through that yeah. as opposed to telling them what meaning is created and then showing them how it was done. I also think by focusing on the technical elements or the structure or the style of a text we're, we're asking students to recognise the fact that there are deliberate choices made by authors and creators of texts that have a that, that they are doing to create some kind of desired effect yeah. and it, it makes them it makes them think about that that deliberate crafting as well which in turn hopefully at some point um, spills into their own writing that's right so in the case of Macbeth we look at elements of the text that relate to language structures obviously as English teachers we're often concerned with examining things like metaphor and we do that we also look at the fact that it's written in blank verse and so there's large elements of rhythm and rhyme included within the structure of the text but instead of sort of telling them why they're there we give them the tools to discover those things and then talk about why they might be there what effect does the choice of using this at this moment have why that metaphor what are the inferences that you might take from that metaphor and then what that might that tell us about what the author's the trying wider, to convey the and it's sort of that exploration of the style of the text hmm. we also look at you know the use of theatrical and dramatic techniques like dramatic irony mm. and how through the creation of dramatic irony we can get an insight into what the fundamental motives of characters might be as an audience but we can also look at the author Shakespeare's use of those techniques in order to convey particular information or to emphasize certain dilemmas mm. again that leads to in the study of Macbeth for us curiosity about the presentation of Macbeth's state of mind and the students end up getting the understanding through the process of examining how his sanity is represented or gradually degenerating sanity that in the language that he expresses and in the terms of the metaphors that he uses to explain himself scorpions of the mind being an obvious example he is showing that when you choose to perform an act of 
violence in order to achieve benefits to yourself that are immoral or against the natural order. You actually suffer internally, that there, are, there is damage done to you. And you put that into the context of the time where it's absolutely pre-Freud or any sense of psychoanalysis. Well, the great chain of being was their like, whole school of thought there. Yeah, which which is not what Shakespeare is talking about, no, is it? And, no. and that, although he's obviously making reference to that, that what they consider to be an important truth, he's looking at the um, personal and internal psychological effects of things before mm. psychology was a thing. Yeah. So that whole perception that you can determine that Shakespeare has through his choices in the use of language, they're not, in my view, simply exercises in informing actors about how to perform the role. They're actually exercises in insight into the human condition. And it allows the students to then look at how, in other texts, similar effects may be used to produce similar messages. So they might look at other forms of, say, crime drama and look at times when information is concealed from characters, characters. within the text um, through the use of dramatic irony and how what sort of insights that gives the audience. So the stylistic approach allows them to become more critically engaged with the text through confidence in the examination of specific techniques of language and style that they can grasp and understand and then form their own confident conclusions as well as transporting them to a position where they're able to critique other texts in the light of what they understand about this text. That's what makes these texts such a great anchoring point because then you can start to develop the idea of the genre through what they've already discovered and then they can apply those ideas to other things. So so where this goes for this class is that once we discover how people can be persuaded and how some senses they're persuaded by people who use persuasion in order to tap into their own ambitions and how people can be influenced by the manipulative language and machinations of others, we then ask them to speak propaganda in my class. So they have to then, they have to look at the process of developing logical fallacies that appear to the audience to be quite legitimate logic and then how to convey those in language so that uh, they convince an audience of something that perhaps isn't actually that viable or valid as as a rational proposition and how rational isn't always the most important thing when it comes to persuading others. So we're anchoring a lot of the work we do later in the year in this examination of Macbeth and his processes in order to help them to leverage from what Shakespeare's created into other areas of their, both their writing and their reading. Hi, this is Chris's phone. You can try and leave a message. Hi Chris, me, again. Um, I managed to catch up with my rare phoenix bird um, the, today in, in my class and I thought I would just really quickly ask her um, what prompted her to, to go back and rework her um, language features paragraph voluntarily. So here is what she had to say. Well, I really enjoyed the ideas I was using in the quote and just more ideas just kept on coming to my brain. I just wanted to get them all down. But when I wrote it in my book, I couldn't like move the whole thing around to add more stuff in. So I decided to go rewrite it so I could put all my new points in. And then I had way more inspiration the more I wrote and I just kept on going and going and going. Yeah, it was pretty fun. 
And with that incredibly heartening comment from one of our students, we bring Term 1 to an end. Thanks for being a regular listener or an occasional one to see me after school. And we look forward to seeing you back in two weeks' time for the beginning of Term 2. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week.